Man, I am just so excited, uh, and I was really, really honored when Pastor Ron said, hey, let's get you up there. I think this would be awesome. And so he said, just just go forth. When it comes to like the, the spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude and stuff, he's like, just share what's on your heart. Um, and I want to put up there the first part of this, which is peace is a person. Um, there has been, especially in my life personally, there hasn't been too, too much peace uh, with everything happening this year of me being laid off from, from a big tech job to going back to all these different things and having two twins that are two years old, and it's just been a lot happening at once. Um, but the Lord has been speaking to me a lot about peace. And so I got a funny yet not funny story this past weekend to share to you guys, specifically revolved around peace and thanksgiving. And that was, I was at a funeral for my aunt in Houston. So I'm from Houston, right? And I get down there in Houston and there's a lot of like family drama. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of like baked into the cake there. So I know what I'm coming into, right? A little bit, a little bit. I go from like kid drama to like family drama and it's a different type of drama. So I'm like, so I go there, we go to the funeral. Um, My grandmother's there and my grandfather's there. So my grandmother has uh, like pretty much 100% dementia, and she's blind. And my grandfather is pretty much completely deaf, but he can see. So it's a really potent mix to have there, really potent mix. So the funeral happens. Uh, The funeral went well. Everything, you know, happened as it did. And my dad, who's a really mellow guy, he's really calm. He comes up, and he has this look in his eyes. He's like, I need you to do something. And I'm like, man, I just like paid a lot of money on a flight ticket to be down here, like to go eat at Olive Garden with everyone, extended family, like to show that I'm here. And he's like, no, I need you to take grandma and grandpa home. Like, because grandpa drove grandma here and he can't see at night. I go, I go, man, there's few times in my life where I'm going to just show my dad what a son I am. And I go, yes. I was like, all right, let's do it. So I hop in their black sedan and my grandma who's blind and has dementia, like full on, like legit thinks I'm kidnapping her. So they're putting her into the car and it's a scene. So my grandfather, who's deaf, is in the back seat, just sitting there, just looking around. He can't hear grandma going, who is this? Who is this? So they like drop her into the seat. She finally gets in there and my aunt, Denise, looks at me and she goes, you're brave. And I it really, it really did not hit me. I was still on the, the cool thing of like, man, I'm the best son ever doing this. And then when she goes, you're brave, I'm like, oh God. So I type in the GPS and I go, we're seven miles, we're seven miles from their house. And the one weekend I'm down there, Highway 6 in Houston on the southwest side was closed. I go, okay, we're going to do some back roads. I know back roads like this place. I can't understand Tulsa. I know it's a grid. I still am trying to get used to it. And I get five of the seven miles to their house. Things are okay. She's asked me like who I was 50 times. She's asked the Tom, like the time 50 times. We'll just answer those questions. I take a wrong turn and I get looped onto Highway 6, which is closed. But it's just open enough where there's one exit, like four miles down for people to exit. My time to their house, legit, went from two minutes to 47 minutes. 47 minutes. And we, she's blind. 
So we're in dead stop traffic on the highway. And I mean, we're not moving. And she unbuckles her seatbelt because she forgets. She thinks she's home. So she leans for the door. And I can't say grandma because she freaks out because she's like, you're not my grandson. Like it's that far on. And I go, Christina. I'm like, buckle back up. So we went through that three times. She unbuckled her seatbelt three times in that 47-minute ride. I cannot believe that my grandmother wasn't on the highway and I was the one driving. But funny enough, the whole moral of this story is, is I found out she actually got really calm when I asked her a bunch of questions. Like, what do you do for a living? Like, what brought you to Houston? What did this or what did that? And the Holy Spirit, it actually ended up being a pretty fun ride. She was like teaching me Spanish. She's like fluent in Spanish. She's like, how long have you been Uber driving? And I'm like... Long time, like I had to just say certain things. I'm like, oh, you know, quite a while. Um, and the Holy Spirit, because he will, he will sometimes leave an impression on things. He says, be grateful in this moment. Because I never thought, and I, I really mean this, I never thought I would have another one-on-one moment with my grandma again. Ever. Like when it was full-blown dementia, I'm like, I'm never going to see her. She'll be like constantly taking care of grandpa. It's me, my grandma, and my grandpa in this car in dead stop traffic. I'm like, never did I think I would ever be here in this spot. And I was able to hear from her in a whole new way. And I was just really grateful. It was so exhausting, I'm not going to lie, but I was so grateful to even have that moment. Um, and so the title of this message is Peace is a Person. And I'm a firm believer that being a thankful person, a person full of gratitude even in the moments when it doesn't seem like things are going well and going and being and changing your spirit and your mindset for gratitude is much better than constantly searching for a feeling of peace. So I'm going to get into this a little more. You're like, most people will be like, well, peace is what brings people to the Lord. Like, I completely understand that. What I want everyone in the room to know is that a lot of people, and I personally, to me, I've been searching and other people have been searching for a while for what it means to have peace. And I want everyone to take a deep breath tonight because I think I'm hoping in the Holy Spirit that we have a new understanding of what peace is. Amen? So, uh, earlier this month, there's a guy named James Clear. He's an author. He's not a Christian author, but he's a fantastic author. Like, I feel like if we uh, just put all our time converting him, he'd be like a modern-day C.S. Lewis. I'm like, this guy's awesome. He sent out a newsletter earlier in the month, and it read, at some point, you will have to learn to let go. There is an endless list of obligations and expectations, desires and ambitions and fears that will always be ready to insert themselves between you and the feeling of peace. If you never learn to let them go, there will never be enough. I have lived for a long time thinking, if I just do this, I can relax and have peace. If I just hit this financial mark, I can relax and have peace. If I just get to this specific part of the company, I won't be laid off. I'll live the rest of my life and retire. I'll just have peace. There will always be things in your mind that will tell you, if you just get here, you're going to have peace. I want to rewrite this phrase, though, and where it says, in the feeling of peace, Before peace was ever a feeling, peace is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Meeting him is peace. So there's millions of people searching for help, especially right now, wanting to feel grateful, 
and balanced and well-rested and all the while at peace with the circumstances in their life. They want meaning. They want happiness. Everyone does. But I think a vast majority of people are searching in the wrong area, not necessarily a bad area. It can be good areas that they're searching for peace, but it's not the area. So what I'm getting at is there is a company called Words Rated, a research organization on literature. So they pretty much do a ton of surveys on what people are thinking about and what books are being written. And they stated 15,000 unique and different self-help books are published a year. That means in just the past three years, there's been 45,000 different help books written. In just 2022, 18.6 million self-help books were written and sold. Not $18.6 million, $18.6 million self-help books. That's a big industry and it's only getting bigger. And it's telling us, and you're seeing this graph of of these books being sold, is that people are searching for internal peace. People are searching for, I really am looking to achieve this in my life. So I, I really need Either that's more gratitude, that's more thankfulness, that's more peace. I'm really trying to get there. And what I'm getting at is not that self-help books are bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying there's a whole other way to actually view this. There is a massive interest from the general population that wants to know more about peace. So we as believers have this incredible opportunity to capitalize on a nation that is getting more and more unpeaceful, more and more, you could say, ungrateful, in a sense. And a youth that I personally love so much, and I see it in my two twin boys, a youth that is ridden with anxiety that Pastor Ron has been so open to come against, so open to be on the forefront against the war of when anxiety is. Um, And I got a little bit of that even when I was in high school, I started to see that because Facebook started to come out. MySpace was a thing, then Facebook came out. And I started to see that degradation or degradation of people's mental health, of what's happening in our nation. And so I looked at it and I was like, what made Jesus so peaceful? What? Yes, he has the Holy Spirit. Um, and yes, he's full of love because he is love. But what made specifically the Holy Spirit so peaceful? What people are trying to find in one book, they need to find in one person. And that is up to us to help people get to that point. As people that know Christ, and for those of you that don't, you're in a good place tonight. So I thought about it for a while, and I'm like, yes, you can go. When you think of peace, you can think of Jesus on the boat, You can think of before Jesus was crucified. You can think of Jesus when he was arrested by Pontius Pilate. All these different sermons or like different scenarios you can put that actually like fits into this message. But there's one story that I go, I was like, this is actually like a perfect example of what it means for Jesus to operate in a peaceful manner when things weren't peaceful. And that is the story of the 5,000, when Jesus fed the 5,000. Now, I've heard this many, many, many times. I did grow up in church, had a stint where I was like, is Jesus real? Like, 
didn't walk away, but you know, you, everyone has to find their faith, not their mom's faith. And I've read this for a long time. And then I really like sat down and I was like, okay, what does this actually mean whenever Jesus fed the 5,000? So it's in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14 through 20. And it says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to their villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of fish or five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were already, that were left over. When you really think about this, this is a stressful situation. When I'm reading the Bible, I personally think every place is remote. But this, they even made a point that this is a remote place. So Jesus and his 12 disciples were out in a remote place with 5,000 people that were hungry. And it was evening. It was getting dark. So it probably means they've been hanging out with Jesus for a long time. And the disciples, I personally think they were hungry as well. And they were like, but they were like, do you want to just like send these people so they can go get food? But actually, like, I really want food. So like, let's all like kind of shut this thing down. And typically when Jesus, when everything is going one way, Jesus typically is always going the opposite. And he's like, here's a lesson. He's like, give me the loaves. Give me the fish. And so there's three things that I want you guys to get from this specific message, from this specific um, passage in the Bible. And the first thing is, really specifically, before anything even happened, Jesus gave thanks before the provision ever came. He got there and he grabbed the loaf of bread, there's five of them, and he gave thanks before the provision ever came. He did not give thanks after the miracle happened. He gave thanks before the miracle happened, knowing that the Holy Spirit, knowing that the Lord was going to operate in the moment. Now, some people go, well, that's a pretty gray line to walk, Sean, because that means anytime I pray, it has to happen. No, it's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Jesus knew scripture and he knew that all things according to the Lord, like those that love him will work out. That applies even to Jesus. Because once it's spoken and it's written in the Bible, the Lord adheres to that because his word is his bond. Okay? So some people go, well, truly I say, well, see, some people go, um, yeah, that's Jesus. He's God and he can't do that. Or he can do that because he's God. He's got the Holy Spirit like he's God. He can make any miracle happen that he wants. But something that the Lord, and that was something that I said when I was doing, writing the content, I was like, oh, like he can do whatever he wants. He's God. Like he can make that happen. And the Holy Spirit put into me and said, I want my people to have a new assurance and a new understanding of John 14, 12, which is truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus before he left. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. I was like, 
Mm. I think the whole body, all of Rose District, everyone outside of Rose District needs to have a new confidence and a new assurance of knowing that if Jesus said greater things are going to happen after I leave, that we need to believe that greater things will actually happen. Amen? So I put here, having peace is knowing peace. Knowing peace is knowing Christ. And to some of us that have heard this many times, they go, well, it's extremely basic. Jesus operated many times in the basic. It doesn't mean that he operated in the boring. Okay? A lot of what he says, and I promise you, a lot of the scripture you remember aren't the most fanciest things you've ever heard. It's the one-line sentence that you remember in your mind. Jesus operated in the basic. He didn't tell people, he, especially his disciples, he didn't tell his disciples a thousand different ways of how Jesus thought. How did he talk? He talked in parables because it was simple. And I personally believe, no matter what your IQ level, what your EQ level is, when we're working with people that don't yet know Jesus, operate in the simple. Operate in the basic. Peace is a person. How do we get peace? We know peace. That means we know Jesus. Like I said, I'm not going against self-help books. I personally love self-help books. But what I've learned is when I read a ton of self-help books, I actually get gratification. I'm like, man, I'm reading about peace, but it's not requiring any action from me to actually be peaceful. So I think I'm being more peaceful. I'm not. I love self-help books. But what I'm here to tell you is that I found so much more peace spending 30 minutes with Christ and letting my heart out to him than I ever have reading some of incredible books that have been written and have helped people and they've helped me. But knowing peace is knowing Christ because he is peace. When you want to know love, you spend time with Christ because he is love. I always say this, Christ doesn't have love. He is love. If you want to know anything about love, you look at Christ. Anything that's not of Christ isn't love. I'm sorry. That's just the truth of the matter. He is the definition of patience. He is the definition of thankfulness. And I personally, I'm not standing up here saying I have reached the mark on that. I'm still like, oh my gosh, as I'm typing this, I'm like, this is hitting me like a ton of bricks, okay? So main takeaway, he gave thanks before the provision came. I believe we can walk in that same confidence if we want to see things happen in our life. We write down and have gratitude and thankfulness that it's going to happen, knowing that the Lord is going to work on our behalf. So the two verses for that was John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also uh, do the works that I do and greater than these works uh, will he do. And then Romans 8, 28. They call it the great eight, Romans 8, 28, because those eight chapters are a simplified whole version of the Bible. If you don't know where to start in the Bible, start with Romans 1 and just read those eight chapters and just sit in it for six months, six days, however That is an incredible offering of what the Bible can give you, especially about peace. And Romans 8.28 is, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. I lean on that all the time because things definitely don't always go my way. 
This past week, I got a car. It was a Camry. It's the Dadmobile. Um, I got it, and I left with it at night. And I wake up the next morning, and there's a chip and a dent on the top of the Camry. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, I'm like, there's no way the boys did this. Like, there's no way. Jen's out here in the middle of the night, just like, tum, 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 like, that probably didn't happen. So I, like, call them up. And they go, man, we've seen this before. Uh, whenever we wash a car before we hand it off, some of our kids will just dink it. And uh, it, it, we've seen it happen. But don't worry, we'll get you taken care of, son. We're going to lift the whole lift the whole thing off the car. We're going to repaint all that stuff. And I talked to a, um, another technician, and he's like, dude, you don't want to do that to this car. He's like, you want to lift the whole, drop the headliner, lift the whole thing up for something this big? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this situation is so awful. This situation is literally terrible. I could not have think, thought of a different, of a worse position to be in. What I'm saying is, I was kind of a tangent that I went off. What I'm saying is, is that all things will work to our good for those that love the Lord. Amen? So when things go a little sideways compared to straight, we can rely on scripture. What else do we rely on when things do not go straight? We have to know scripture, relying on the word and knowing who Jesus is. So that's the first piece. Second piece is he said, give me the bread. There was five loaves and two fish there. There was 5,000 people. Actually, the word said there was 5,000 men pretty much women and, women and children not included in it. So there's probably more than 5,000 people, unless it's just 5,000 dudes all there, which I don't think was the case. And he says, give me what you have. And what does he do? He multiplies what we give him. I think there's a lot more in that. And I'm not sitting here wanting to make this sound like a prosperity message. It's not. I'm not talking about finances or food in this instance. I'm thinking he multiplies anything that we give him. If we just have this much left in our heart of love to give somebody and we give it to Christ, I personally believe he's going to multiply the love in your heart. If you have this much courage to rely on Christ for him to come through in a specific part of your life, I think he's going to come through. He is the God of multiplication, and I'm not talking about finances. Absolutely, it can be for finances. There's scriptures to back that up. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, he's much more dynamic than we think he is. He can multiply our peace. He can multiply our love. He can multiply our patience for situations that we're in. But what did we have to do? We had to give him the fish to begin with. There's action required on our part for the Lord to multiply. So for me, I'm like a really, like sometimes an analytical thinker, sometimes not. I'm like, I wonder what like percentage of that multiplication he actually did. So if you guys ever want a mathematical percentage of how much God can multiply, 5,000, so say each person got a loaf of bread and there was five loaves, he, that is a 100,000% increase that the Lord gave the group. So if you ever want some number to lean back on and go, well, what can the Lord multiply in my life? Think of 100,000. 100,000% that he can multiply in your life of things. And I'm not just talking about finances. And for any of you that go on a Google calculator and prove me wrong, I'll say, woe to you, sinner. The Lord is, is never wrong. It was 100,000. I guarantee you. He is active in our life. He is close to you. 
And the Holy Spirit, if you haven't accepted him in your heart, he wants to be close to you and he wants to be active in your life. The little details, and I've been telling the youth this the past three weeks, they're sick of hearing it probably. The little details he cares about because life is not made up of those big moments every seven years. They're made up of your habits and the little details that you go through every single day in your life. Amen? Amen. Last thing. So the second thing is that he will multiply, but it's, ha- it's what you give him. Yes, he can definitely multiply even when you don't want to give it to him, but I think the moral of the story is take action. Be proactive and have faith and give the Lord what you have. You're saying, I can't hit rent. Give the Lord what you have. It doesn't mean tie the way in your entire checkings account. I can't stand when I hear that. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying take a chance on God to come through in your life. And a lot of people here have taken that chance. And guess what? They're still here because he came through. So if you've never taken that chance, I want to go out on faith and say, take a chance on who God is and who Christ is. And just because a Christian hurt you doesn't mean Christ did. Okay? So take a chance. Third piece. The last thing is, and if the worship band wants to come up, thankfulness is a practice, not a one-time prayer. It's just not something we do on an occasion. It's a lens on how we view life. It's a lens, it's a filter. Everyone sees life through, through a filter, okay? It's, there's, a, there's an old saying that says, one person sees the entire world and it's burning and he hates it. The other person sees the world and he sees opportunity and he loves it. The thing is, is they're both looking at the same world. It's because we see the world through lenses. We see the world through filters. We all do. And experiences shape the lenses that we're looking through. But look what Paul says about this. Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 9. Never worry about anything, but in every situation, let God know what you need in prayer and requests while giving thanks. Then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, keep your thoughts on whatever is right or deserves praise, things that are true, honorable, fair, pure, acceptable, or commendable. Practice what you've learned and received from me, what you heard and saw me do. Then the God who gives this peace will be with you. Anytime you hear a then in the Bible, there's an action required from the person on the other side. Then. So it says, then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts. Every situation, let God know what you need in prayers and requests while giving thanks. Basically, the rub is, we should be praying a lot, but when we're doing it, give thanks. Have the lens of giving thanks every time you're praying. Anytime Jesus touched food, whether it was a miracle or not, he gave thanks. Paul talks about the word giving and thankfulness, not as just a one-time thing, but as something that we do and want to do in every facet of our life. So it's, it's, it's so moving to be up here to talk about this because it's speaking so much to me because so much of my life I feel like is going a thousand miles an hour and I'm like, God, I just want peace. And he's like, spend time. Spend time. 
So I wanna give you an open invitation tonight for those that never have met him and don't know him and you feel like life is getting faster or more difficult and you're like, the last thing I have is peace, you're in a good spot tonight because you're in the right place because it's not gonna require another book. It's gonna require one person and he's here tonight. Lord, I just thank you so much that we would have the chance to be here tonight and to take another step in belief and believe in who you are and know who you are, Lord Jesus. And I just ask that you would just send a wave of peace over each person in this place tonight, Lord God. A wave of your glory, Lord Jesus. A new understanding and a new revelation of peace and thankfulness in their life, including mine. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of action and that you wanna see us moving and doing things for you. So Lord, I just ask for boldness for someone in here to take the step and, and, and go after God for the first time. So if that's you with every head bowed, if you have never taken that step, just raise your hand. And if you wanna retake that step, thank you. If you wanna retake that step, and you're like, I'm, I need to recommit. I need to recommit. Say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. I believe, God, that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. Lord, in a new way, come into my life. Bring peace, joy, patience, goodness, love, and action to be more like you. Lord, tonight is a new night. I love you. Thank you, Jesus.